God, every good and perfect gift comes down from you. So, Father, we thank you for your presence today. We purpose to press in. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for opening the spiritual eyes of our understanding this day that we might see all the glory that's in Jesus Christ, the King of kings. Amen.
captivated by your glory. Lord, I sing this song for you.
Father, this morning, you are worthy to be praised, glorified, lifted up, and exalted in this place. And Holy Spirit, we thank you. We prepare our hearts today to receive all that you have for us from the Father's Word in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. That is the sweet presence of God. I love the sweet presence of God. Sometimes you just need to breathe it in. Some quick announcements. Tuesday night at 6 is Patriots United. This Wednesday at 7 is our midweek service. On Wednesday, June 28th, on that Wednesday night, we're going to have a work night. We just have some things that need to be done around here, and we'll have that list if you would come that evening and there'll be something for everyone. On Wednesday, July 5th, that's the, the day after the 4th of July, we will not have a midweek service that week. We'll get, take that week off. If you would open, oh, a couple other things. We have these Jesus Day announcements on the back. There's a bunch of them. So if you have somebody, kids in the neighborhood, grandkids, kids you know, Take these and, and hand them out and invite them. That's what these are for. So those are in the back. And I thought I had one more thing. I'll think of it. Anyway, if you would turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. The last several weeks, the guys have been teaching on tithes, offerings, and alms. And there was kind of a central theme in all of it. It's all about the heart. So giving... And being generous, is it's really a heart issue. Not only does it prepare your heart to receive, but then your heart is expanded and, and open to God as you give. Now, this is one of my favorite portions of Scripture concerning giving. And it starts in, I'm just going to kind of go through part of it, and then we'll, we'll hone in on a certain part. So in... Verse 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1. It says, Now concerning the ministering to the saints, it is supervious for me to write to you. For I know your willingness about which you boast, of which I boast to you about the Macedonians, and that Achaia was, was ready a year ago, and your zeal has stirred up the majority. So he's acknowledging their willingness to give, and he's thanking them for that. And this is the one thing that's always amazed me about this body, is your willingness to give, your hearts in that. And we thank you for that. We appreciate that, and I know God does. It says, Yet I've sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain, in this respect that, as I said, you may be ready. Lest some of the Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we not to mention you should be ashamed of this confident boasting. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand. I believe with all my heart it is scriptural to lay up your offerings ahead of time, to lay up your finances so when the opportunity comes, you're prepared. Uh, the year of COVID, I couldn't get my seed potatoes. So after that, every year, I started going ahead of time and preparing and making sure I got that seed that I needed so that I was prepared ahead of time. So therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of, ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. As they talked about the heart, that's, it comes down to that. It should be something joyous out of your heart, not an obligation. 
And I'll give you one, one thing that I've learned through the years. Never let somebody coerce you into giving. Amen. It should be out of the heart. If they're putting a guilt trip on you, if they're trying to manipulate you to give, don't do it. It needs to be from your heart, from what God's put in your heart, and that what you can give from your heart. Because if it isn't like that, it's not of faith, and it's not going to accomplish you anything. So remember that. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully or with blessings. So let each one of you, each one give as he purposes in his heart, not as someone purposes for you, but as you, and this is about offerings and alms, as you purpose in your heart, not grudgingly, nor out of necessity. A better word for that is out of compulsion. In other words, you shouldn't feel compulsed to give unless it's by God, and then you need to be obedient. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. This is the will of God for you, that you have an abundance for all things, that your needs be met, your family's needs be met, and that you have enough to sow so that there's a sufficiency for the work of God to continue. As it is written, he is dispersed abroad, he is given to the poor, and his righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed that you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Let me stop here again. Talked about not being complete forced to give but here's another issue some people when they have seed i don't know about you but when i have seed for my garden i don't walk out in the back and just fling it into the neighbor's yards i am very deliberate where when and how i plant it along our east fence that soil is terrible soil it's clay it doesn't doesn't uh, it's just Clamorous, nothing grows well there. I don't plant my garden there. I go back to where that soil has been prepared. And that's when you give, you want to give into good soil. That's why saving up ahead of time helps you to be deliberate so when an opportunity comes, then you can sow. Because it's then God's desire. He gives you seed to sow. Now this morning, we're going to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. We're also going to receive an offering. Last week I talked about uh, Stephen Retoad. He's going on a missions trip over, I'm probably into Africa, maybe Southeast Asia. He is good soil because good soil always sows out of it. It isn't a dead sea. He's gonna, we're going to sow to him. He's going to sow and all that sowing multiplies. And and he says, so then, and then we're also, all the offering today, the first thousand we will send to Stephen. And anything above and beyond that will go for Jesus Day and Jesus Day t-shirts. So when you fill out your offering envelope, all you need to do is put it in other, and whatever we receive today in other will go to those things. So then we have... The other announcement was Mike Keyes will be here on July 23rd, and we want to sow into his ministry. But this is the key in verse 10. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. He not only when you sow gives you bread for your food, but he will give you seed back to sow again. And so we're giving you these opportunities. I believe we have to have opportunities to sow into good soil. So that's what we're doing today. I thank you ahead of time. Now, also, years ago, a wise man of God named Dick Mills wrote this confession. When you sow seed, like I said, you don't just throw it in the neighbor's yard and, and, and hope that it comes up. But when you sow it, you should use your faith that it will do these things. And so Dick Mills wrote this confession, and we used to do this faithfully every Sunday, and then we just kind of, you can get too routine and stuff, so we kind of quit doing it for a while, but we're going to go back, 
and we're going to do this confession of faith together, and we'll do it for several weeks. And it's all the word. If you have Mike Key's bookmarks, he has this on on that. So they'll go ahead and put that up, and you can go ahead and pray. If you'd stand, please. Folks, as we receive today's offering, we are believing the Lord for what? Jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, favorable settlements, estates and inheritances, interests and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, bills decreased, blessings and increase, divine favor. Generosity, increased capacity, new skills, witty inventions and ideas, wise investments. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs that I may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Ushers, you can kindly wait upon the people. And all God's people said, Amen. This morning, I have a message. I have a message every week. I'm good at messages. But today, I believe the Spirit of God wants to communicate to you the heart of the Father. Now, this isn't specifically a Father's Day message, but it it applies And so I want you to be attentive. I want you to listen. Will you promise me that? Now, I'm going to take the first few minutes, and then I'm going to show you a video, a powerful, true video. That will convey the heart of the Father big time. So we have listening ears today. Amen? Now, we're on a series about what? The anointing. What is the anointing? It's... The Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit. It's the presence of God. It's the power. You you can't separate the Holy Spirit and power. They're one. So if the anointing manifests in a corporate gathering, the power of God will manifest. And we're coming into an hour in a season in the days ahead. We're going to see an outpouring of the Spirit of God And so what we need to do is prepare our hearts for that. Amen. And part of what I'm preaching today and teaching today and the the message that will be conveyed today is just that. Amen. Now, before we can talk about the corporate anointing, what's corporate mean? It means combined or united, if you look it up in the dictionary. And we'll get into this, but in the Old Testament, you remember, they came into the temple and worshipped God, and they had everything in divine order. And as a result, 
they were in order, the priests were in order, the worship was in order, what happened? The presence of God manifested, and it said, in, if you'll read it, it's fascinating, the priests could not stand, but they fell to the ground because of the power of God. Well, that's not just Old Testament. Amen. That applies to the New Testament, the New Covenant too. Before we can talk about the corporate anointing manifesting upon an entire body of believers as a whole, now listen, we need to address the significance of each individual person within that body. So in other words, we can come together and we can thank God for the corporate anointing, but if you as an individual believer don't know even what you're called to do, don't even know what your gifts are. How's that going to enhance the corporate anointing? It won't. That's why we're coming into an hour that you, the individual believer, must discern and recognize what your job is. And it's not just a job. I mean, it's, it's a calling. It's a gifting. Everyone in this room has something to contribute to the corporate anointing. But if you're oblivious and don't have a clue what you're called to do, and you just walk in here on Sunday morning, amen, look around and say, oh, I'm just here, that does not invite the presence of God. Amen. You say, why is he walking out here in the aisle today? To make sure you're awake. Let me read to you uh, uh, my text. I'm going to read it to you from the, the message translation. From 1 Corinthians chapter 12, because it enhances the, the, the message here um, and enforces the idea how important you, the individual believer, is. I'm going to read it from the message, so it's a lot different than the King James. I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If foot said, I'm not elegant like the hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to this body. Would that make it so? If the ear said, I'm not beautiful like I, limpid and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head, would you want to remove it from the body? If the body was all eye, how could it hear? If all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where He wanted it. Who placed it? The Father. But I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance for no matter how significant you are. It is only because of what you are a part of. An enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body but a monster. What we have is one body with many parts, each its proper size in its proper place. No part is important on its own. Can you imagine the eye telling the hand, get lost, I don't need you. Or the head telling the foot, you're fired, your job's been phased out. As a matter of fact, in practice, it works the other way. Now listen, the lower the part, the more basic and therefore necessary. You can live without an eye, for instance, but you can't live without a stomach. When it's, when it's a part of your own body you are concerned, concerned with, it makes no difference. Whether the part is visible or clothed, higher or lower, you give it dignity and honor just as it is without comparison. Say without comparisons. If anything, you have more concern for the lower parts than the higher. If you had to choose, wouldn't you prefer good digestion to full-bodied hair? Well, I'd like to have both right now. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see, the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in that hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. Let me say that again. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. You're familiar with some of the parts, and he goes on and talks about 
apostle, prophet, whatever. But do you understand why it's so important that you understand your individual part? One of you might be good at teaching. One of you might be good at fixing something. One of you might be good at singing. Amen? But we're, we're all have, we all have to take these parts, put them together, and it brings a unity. Amen? And that's what, you know, God the Father desires that we all come together in unity and flow together as the body, not just one part here and one part there. Amen? Now, quickly, Scriptures. Look at Psalm 33. I'll give you some Scriptures to substantiate what I'm trying to communicate this morning. But, you know, this is Father's Day, and you need to know how much your Father loves you. Your Father loves you. Say, the Father loves me. Look at this, and this is in the New King James. Psalm 33 and verse 13, it says, The Lord looks from heaven, and He sees all the sons of men. From the place of His dwelling, He looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. Now listen. He fashions their hearts individually. Say that. He fashions their hearts individually. He considers all their works. Do you think God the Father is interested about you, the individual? Yes, He does. He knows what makes me tick. He knows what provokes me. He knows what excites me. And He's concerned about me. Amen? And He wants to bless me. And He wants to bless you. Look at Psalm 139. You all know this, this passage of Scripture. This is powerful. In Psalm 139 and verse 13. David had revelation of this. He says, For you formed my inward parts, and you covered me in my mother's wombs. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Say that. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He goes on to say, Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would be more number than the sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. Does that kind of make you understand that God the Father is interested in just you, the individual? He saw every one of us in our mother's womb. Amen? Now look at Matthew 18. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 10. I want you to see how the Father will go out of His way to minister to you, His son or daughter. This is the parable of the lost sheep. Verse 10 in uh, Matthew 18, it says, Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. For the Son of Man was, has come to save that which was lost. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the ninety-nine that did not go astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Does that hit home? One sheep? One individual? One believer? One person God is interested about. And he'll go out of his way to find that lost sheep. You are all lost sheep. And, and many of you could recount and remember how God orchestrated people and brought people into your pathway to lead you to Jesus. Amen. Thank God for that. Look at John 4. John 4. I'll get this done so we can watch your video. You can go home and turn the grill on for Dad. Look at your neighbor and say, everything he says today 
is in the Word. <laughs> it's in the Word. Amen. John 4. Now, I'm not going to read all of this. You can study this. But how, how many remember the Samaritan woman at, at the well? I, I love this because this really <laughs> enforces the fact how God will go out of His way for one person. And this one person was a Samaritan woman. And let me tell you, the Samaritans and the Jews, Samaritans were half-breeds. And they didn't get along. And I, that's a whole other message. But this is, this is interesting. And, and uh, let me read to you just the first few, and then you can, you can look it up and, and study this out. Let, let me start into uh, um, verse 1. It says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples, now listen, he left Judea and debar- departed again to Galilee. Verse 4 is important. But he needed to go through Samaria. See, he needed to. If you can study that out, the Holy Spirit led him to go right to that well. And see, that was the shortcut. And the Jews, what they did, they go all the way around because they didn't want to come into contact with any Samaritans. But Jesus, being led by the Spirit, took a different route. He went right through Samaria. Jesus was led by the Spirit of God. Now, one person. And what kind of person was this one person? I don't need to go into detail. She was, she'd had how many husbands? Jesus let her know, did He not, with the word of knowledge, and the one you're living with now ain't your husband. But after he was done communicating the heart of the Father, the love of the Father, the concern of the Father to this woman, what happened? She got up and went in to town and started to broadcast, come listen to a man that knew everything about me. And they all came out. Amen? That's exciting. One person. And it wasn't a religious person. It was a sinner. A sinner. Look at uh, look at uh, Luke ten. Luke ten. One more. Luke ten. Where am I at? Am I all confused here? Luke ten thirty. Yeah, this is it. How many of you know the parable of the Good Samaritan? Okay. Let me read just the portion of it. It says, Then Jesus answered, verse 30, And a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. Verse 33, but a certain what? Another, a Samaritan. As he journeyed, now this is what I want you to see, came where he was. What's that mean? That means that Samaritan saw that individual. Did he pass by? No, he didn't pass by. He went to that individual to bring healing and comfort. One person. Say one person. Now, that's pretty good. I'm proud of myself. What time is it? I want you to listen to this. You got it ready? This is a true story. I happened by this the other day and it touched my heart. Hopefully, it ministers to you. Amen? Hello, my name is Jeremy Johnson, and I am so excited to tell you about this supernatural story of how a time a guy named Cardboard changed how I view God. I was a college student last year of my 
college trying to train to be a, a, a pastor at a church. And we had this drama team that every once in a while we'd travel out and do events. Um, sometimes I would preach, sometimes I would be a part of the drama ministry. And there's the, a ministry in Los Angeles, California, that was doing an event in Hollywood. And they called us and they said, we're blocking off the streets in Hollywood and we need a drama team. Our drama team has dropped out. We heard about your drama team at Bethany College. And so me and the crew, we got together and we drove down to Los Angeles, California. It was so exciting. We got there and they had set up this huge event. There was a giant stage. There was screens and lights and people were there. They were giving out hot dogs hot dogs and sunny select sodas they had planned to give out about 5,000 that day every year they do this event and so this year that it was packed there was people coming from everywhere right there on the streets of Hollywood you can imagine what you hear about Hollywood but this ministry was right in the cuts of that area and just ministering to people touching people's lives giving them food and there was worship throughout the day and different speakers and we were gonna go on last. It was getting dark and the crowd was gathering. I, I can tell you, man, that the, the fear and excitement to share that day was, was almost overwhelming. It was just so exciting seeing all the people there that I believed were gonna receive Jesus. We had uh, written this drama that was amazing and I had a message to give that was burning in my spirit. We did the drama and the crowd was there. I mean, these, these people were straight off the streets. These people, some were homeless, some were um, just passerby or some were uh, people from out of town and, and tourists and they were all there. And we did the drama. The drama went amazing. I, I actually was playing Jesus in the drama. Um, and I had, at that time, I had short hair. So I had weaved uh, dreads into my head to look a little bit more like Jesus. So I'm up there and I'm just thinking, Dear God, just don't let any of these dreads fall out of my head, you know, in front of these people. And so we're doing the whole drama. Uh, and, and after the drama, I was going to give up and uh, get up and give a message of hope to everyone. And so as soon as the drama was over, I felt like we had the people in the palm of our hands. I got up there to give the message. And as soon as I grabbed the mic to speak, I said about three words. And on my third word in, the mic started shorting, cutting out. And... Um, you know, as a speaker, we, we both love and hate technology. You know, uh, it helps amplify your voice, but it can go wrong all the time. And so the mic was going wrong. So I thought maybe someone will hand me another mic. Someone hand me another mic. That mic wouldn't work. And I look over at the sound guy and the sound guy is sweating. He's, you know, plugging in cables, pushing buttons. There was no getting his attention. It was just like stressed out. And we realized the sound has completely shut off. There were some older ladies there. They started anointing the speakers with oil. We had people praying. 10 minutes went by, 20 minutes went by, 30 minutes went by. With each minute, obviously, you know, people started leaving. Uh, we did this whole event, this whole drama, all this worship, all this stuff. And the, the whole point was to give the gospel message. Well, as people started leaving, the crowd was down to really just the volunteers. And I remember just kind of mad at God, frustrated at God, disappointed. I mean, here we are praying, here we are, we did all this work, God, we did all this stuff. And I remember sitting on the edge of the stage and, and saying probably the stupidest prayer I've ever said in conversation with God. And I said, God, if you don't want these people saved, then fine, I, I don't care either. And I just kind of got in this attitude and I looked over at the guy cooking the hot dogs, a couple last hot dogs there, and I was hungry, and I thought, man, I don't want a hot dog. and I don't want a Sunny Select soda. And I looked across the street, and I saw McDonald's. And as a young adult in college, I was fully addicted to McDonald's. And I just said, man, I, that's what I want. I want McDonald's. So I walked across the street to go get some McDonald's, kind of pouting because God didn't answer my prayer. And as I was walking into McDonald's, I tripped over what I thought was trash or some kind of blanket on the ground. And as I tripped over this thing, this person popped out of the blanket and started yelling. <laughs> and he said, my name's Cardboard. And I said, uh, okay, okay. Kind of took me off guard because I thought it was just like a blanket on the ground. And um, 
I kind of jumped back. I was a little, I never met anyone named Cardboard, first of all. And this guy was obviously drunk. He was, you know, on the ground. He's homeless. Uh, and as a person from a small town coming into Los Angeles, I mean, I felt lost there from the moment I stepped in there. I just kind of scurried away and ran into McDonald's. I ordered my Big Mac, my large fry, and my Coke Zero. And as I uh, was leaving McDonald's with my, with my food, uh, I walked past Cardboard again, but this kind of kind of went further away from Cardboard. And uh, as I was walking past, for the first time, I heard the voice of the Lord. I mean, I had been praying for a straight hour as a young adult asking for God to do this miracle, and he didn't answer. And then out of nowhere, as I'm walking back with my McDonald's, I feel and hear the voice of the Lord say, Jeremy, go give cardboard this meal. And I did what any great believer would do in that moment. I said, get behind me, Satan, in the name of Jesus, you foul spirit. No, I, I, I just kept walking because I, I, I was like, oh, I couldn't have been God. I mean, that, that, I don't think that was it. This is my McDonald's. Uh, that was just me. And, and as you know, when the Lord speaks to you, it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And so as I was almost across the street, I just felt like I got to go back. I got to go give this meal to Cardboard. So I went back and I uh, tapped Cardboard on the shoulder. He woke up in disarray and I just said, hey, man, I wanted to give you this Big Mac, large fry, and, and I also got a Coke Zero. And I just left it there and I started walking away. And as I was walking away, I heard this man, cardboard, weeping. So I turned around and I saw in his tears were these giant elephant tears. He was just weeping there with the, with the meal. And I thought, well, maybe, maybe he doesn't like McDonald's, maybe, you know. And so I, the curiosity killed me. I had to go back up to cardboard and say, cardboard, please tell me what's going on. What, what, why, are you, why are you weeping? He said, um... He said, you're not, you're not going to understand. You're not going to, you're not going to. And then when he looked at me, he realized that I was the guy on the stage. And he said, you're that guy. I said, I'm that guy. I don't, I don't, what do you mean that guy? He said, you're the guy. You're the guy that was on the, you're the guy, you're the guy. I said, oh man, I'm so, uh, you know, yeah, it didn't work. He goes, no, 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 I don't think you understand. He said, he said, hey, my, my real name is Samuel. He said, uh, a couple of years ago, I lost my job and that church that comes out here every year to do this event, I, I used to go to that church, but when I, I lost my job, they couldn't help me and me and my family, we ended up out here. Eventually my family left and I just kind of built a house out of cardboard and I got the name cardboard, but my real name's Samuel. And in between tears, he began to tell me the story. He said, well, while the day went on, I just, I just said, God, you don't love me. You don't care about me. And he said, when I was saying that, I heard a voice. And the voice told me to climb to the top of that building. He pointed to a building behind the stage where I just was. And he said, see that window that's open? He said, I climbed up to there. And the voice told me, God doesn't love you. When this guy speaks tonight, jump so the, the voice told you to jump I said cardboard why didn't you jump he said when I climbed out the window I saw you coming up to speak and when I got to the edge your mic shut off I said yeah I remember that and he said, when your mic shut off, I didn't know what to do, so I just came in. And I sat in the corner of that top room. And he said, I heard another voice. And the other voice said, Samuel, ask me for anything. He said, okay, God, if that's you, I want that guy to bring me a Big Mac, a large fry, and a Coke. I'm gonna wait right over there. You see, I had no clue that day that what I thought was God missing it 
and messing up was God actually doing the only thing that we all needed to do, which was to reach cardboard with his love. You know, it's crazy to think about that day I got to lead cardboard to the Lord. This is my comeback. Start yours at purdueglobal.edu. I got to lead him in the sinner's prayer. I got to share with him about how much God loves him. But I couldn't help to think about how much God loves me. See, because the God that we serve, he, he doesn't see crowds. That day I saw a crowd. That day I was one in a crowd. That day we cooked 5,000 hot dogs. That day we, we got donated 5,000 Sunny Select sodas. That day we all volunteered. That, I, I had dreads weaved into my head. I learned a drama that the person who I would minister to would never watch. I prepared a sermon I would never give, not for crowds, not for thousands. We didn't do it all for 5,000 people that would hear the gospel. We did all of that, all the stage, all the lights, all the bands, our trip down to Los Angeles, all of it wasn't for 5,000, it was for one guy who had forgot his name. It's interesting that his name was Samuel because in the Bible there was a young man named Samuel who God kept calling and he kept thinking God was talking to someone else or someone else was talking to him and finally he had to say, God, here I am, I'm listening. And it was so powerful to be a part of that story, but it's even more powerful to know that the God of the universe always sees the one. He, he sees the one. He, he doesn't see crowds. He sees the one. He does everything for the one. He went to the cross and he died for the one. He felt my pain. He felt my shame. He took my place. And if he took my place, you need to know that he took your place. Maybe you're watching this right now and you feel like cardboard and you're like, God, I don't even believe you're real. There's another voice telling you to end your life, that, that God's not real. And I'm just telling you, God is speaking to you today. He's saying to you today that if I love cardboard at zero, that I love you at zero. Cardboard wasn't looking for God. He wasn't expecting God, but God showed up to him. And today, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're walking through, but God does. And yeah, this video is being played for thousands, but God doesn't care about thousands. He cares about one. He wants to save one. He wants to renew one. His love is powerful enough to shut off all the sound and ruin all man's plans to keep his plan in place. And maybe you're feeling like plans have been ruined and you're frustrated with where you're at and God is saying, I'm creating room for myself. I'm doing a miracle. Right now, I just want you right where you're at. If you need that Jesus, see the Jesus that I serve did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. He came to not just die for me, to die as me. He is the Messiah that Isaiah talks about. He was despised and rejected and he felt everything you feel so that he could connect to your pain and bring about your healing. If you're there right now and you need that, you need that death to life experience, you need the greatest miracle that could ever happen to happen for you, I want you just to put out your hands and close your eyes and I wanna pray over you. And also I wanna pray over those people that need to again see the cardboards, that, are, that have gotten caught up in the crowd and the bigness of the call that you've missed the one the person you pass every day at the, at the grocery store, the person that's serving your coffee, the one who, although they're broken, and maybe, maybe you're not gonna bring them to church, maybe you're gonna bring them to Jesus and then bring them to church. I wanna pray over both of you. I wanna pray over those that are saying, I need life, and those that are saying, I need to have new eyes again. I want God's eyes. I want God's eyes to see the person that no one sees. God, I just pray right now for those that are receiving you, 
I pray right now, God, we just pray all sin, all shame, we give it to you. And God, we invite you into our life. And God, we invite you into our story. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for taking our place. Thank you for coming. God, be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name. And for those that have missed the cardboards, those that are looking for the bigness of the stage but have missed uh, Lord have missed the crowd God you did your best miracles in the crowd but it was never on the stage that you did your miracles it was in the crowd you walk slow through the crowd God let us walk slow through the crowd so we don't miss the woman with the issue of blood so we don't miss the Samuel that will change many God thank you God awaken us again to have your eyes in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Amen. Lights. In order for the corporate anointing to flow, the body of Christ must, say must, recognize God's love for each individual. Number two, every member is a part of his body. Every member is important and needed to fulfill the Father's plan and purpose. Say every member. And number three, it's vital for the remnant church to demonstrate God's unconditional love. You know, the church cries out for a revival, prays for a revival, believes for revival. Wants to see God move powerfully. But if you can't minister to one person, forget it. Stand up today. Pretty serious message on Father's Day. But you know what? It's right from heaven to you, to your heart. Will you see the cardboards in the days ahead? Maybe you already are. Great. That's good. But if you're so consumed with yourself, your own personal agenda, your own family, your own whatever, that you can't take time to go like the despised Samaritan where he went to where that individual was. Folks, it's wake-up call. It's a wake-up call. We're down to serious business. Thank you, Father. Father, I pray for these people today. All of us in this room. All the, the members of Harvest Church that aren't here this morning. I pray our eyes have been open to see the cardboards that cross our path every day. And I thank you, Lord God, the people of Harvest Church in the days ahead will not only be willing to minister to the cardboards, but they'll be immediately obedient to do just that. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the word we've heard today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Is there anyone here today you need, before we dismiss, prayer for your body, if you're sick in your body? Amen. Anybody else? Just leave it, just leave it. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, you might come across somebody in the course of a day that's sick. Maybe it's an acquaintance, a family member. Take the time to pray for them. Have you ever said, you've all done this. We've all done this. They tell you their need and you'll say, well, I'll pray for you. Then you go your way and you never do. <laughs> God, you're sorry-looking sheep today. You look at me like, huh? It's the truth. 
Take time in the course of your day, people, to reach out. Amen. Father, we thank you for these people today. Kathy, come here. In the name of Jesus, we lay hands on your, your sheep. Healings, the children's bread. We release that anointing today. We say infirmity is bound and healings loosed in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Father, we speak to that child's body in the name of Jesus. Command those seizures to cease and desist in the name of Jesus. Lord, we're asking for a miracle. We ask You, Lord God, You sent Your Word to heal him and deliver him in the name of Jesus. Thank You for Your goodness and Your mercy this day manifested for this family. It's the anointing that destroys that yoke. And we command that body in Jesus' name to respond to the healing of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Father, we loose healing anointing today into Bia. We thank you, Lord. Infirmity is bound in Jesus' name. And healing anointing is loosed. Healing's loosed this day. Infirmity is bound. We thank you, Father. For your goodness and mercy for Laura today in Jesus' precious name. Amen, amen, amen. Well, God bless you. Have a wonderful Father's Day. <laughs> Did this message hit home or is it just me? Are you just going through it right now and your heart is out while you're so reserved and quiet? That's good because the Holy Spirit's working on you. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.